attention. All right, I'm, I'm rolling some music. Here we go. I didn't realize it was already after 8 o'clock. I'm sorry, Craig. Hey, hey, I'm just sorry. Trying. If you can just put me on, we can I'm just get going. On. Get on with this show. It's already 8.01. Oh, go. my goodness. I just want to put on a professional show. Good grief. Hey, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. Uh, there's some great 316 passages in the Bible. Absolutely true. And it is a fact that at Calvary, God gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if that had been our reason for naming it Calvary 316, that would have been smart. But we're off of Highway 316, so that's kind of where we ended up with the name. Uh, our Sunday service is at 1030 for local. Come check us out one Sunday morning. If you're not local but looking for a church you can watch online, it teaches the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. I promise there's not a lot of churches in the middle of a series through Song of Solomon, so you might find uh, what we do to be a little different than what other churches do. Come join us. Uh, our YouTube channel is Calvary316.live. You can also watch our stream at Facebook.com slash Calvary316. That's 316. So uh, I'm joined, as always, by the man that needs no introduction, uh, Pope Creighton Vaughn. How you doing, bud? Hello, I'm Creighton, and if our show ever blows up, I'm going to have to explain to people that Zach and I are friends. Yeah, that's true. So I, I had the opportunity uh, to uh, preach this past week at my dad's church, Calvary Chapel. It's in Stone Mountain, and uh, and it was really funny because, um, so I, I get there early for sound check, and uh, I, walk in, I walk in one of the entrances, and uh, there's uh, a dear friend, uh, D. David, um, shout out to D, who is the husband of Ann David, who's a frequent mention of the show. D doesn't feel like he ever gets any love or never gets a <laughs> shout out. Uh, but the first thing he says, he says, "Oh man, I, are you, I, I thought you were bringing Spice with you or or Pope C." And I was like, "You just came up with two good nicknames in like the span of three breaths." Mister uh, D's awesome. Yeah, Spice just cut out the daddy. He just went, "How's Spice doing?" I was like, Spice Daddy's doing great. I said, I said, neither him or Creighton can be here because they have to hold down the floor at Calvary 316 so I can be here. Um, but shout out to D. Uh, it was great to see you, brother, and Miss Ann, uh, as always. I had, man, I, I shared my testimony, um, which which really is kind of, it's kind of ironic um, that now the only church I haven't shared my testimony <laughs> is at Calvary 316 uh, because I honestly don't think anybody at Calvary 316 wants to hear a lot uh, of us were there for it. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is a lot of the folks at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain, uh, they were there for it as well. And um, I put a, a kind of a bit, a bit of a different twist. I've, I've done this about a dozen times, but I took a, I can't really change the story. The story's the same, uh, but I did kind of change up a little bit of the context and really felt like it came across well. And it was just great to be there. That is my home church. Um, it'll always be my home church. Although Calvary 316 is home, it's the home for my kids. Um, I mean, I spent... Spent 30 years uh, at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain. I opened the first service. I said, so in 1983, I became an early member of this church, and I had very regular attendance. Um, yeah. Was not optional. Um, but just, it was good to be home and good to, to share and just to, <clears throat> just to talk to folks. It was, it was a wonderful time. Um, so, Creighton, why don't you explain uh, to anybody that might be new kind of how the show works very quickly. And, uh, and then I'm going to introduce the other cast of characters we have with us tonight. So basically the way the show works is that I'm going to introduce a topic to the room. Um, Zach will make that into a Bible study. It is usually a Bible study. Sometimes it's just a conversation between me and Zach and the other guys that he's going to introduce. Um, but I will introduce a topic. We will talk about it. Zach will 
teach on it. Um, and if you have questions, comments, or concerns, I am watching the comments on YouTube and Facebook where we are streaming. Um, so I can see those like that happened at a fantastic time. Miss Ann says hello. Excellent. And she says that Mr. D says hey too. There you go. D gets a second shout out. <laughs> so exactly like that. If you have a comment, put it in there. And if it is uh, relevant, I will try and jump in with a comment or bring it up at the end of the show. Hey, knowing that Miss Ann is watching, I think what would be fun and we need to set this up. So Ann, you're watching. Um, I'd like to have Ann on the I show. I think it'd be awesome. And have her tell her story because she also has a very a very powerful testimony, uh, and I think it would be great to hear uh, from Miss Ann. So, Miss Ann, if you're interested, uh, reach, reach out. out to one of our mothers and have them call. <laughs> yeah, don't do that; <laughs> they won't let you through. Like you don't want to go on that show. Um, but no, reach out. That would be it would be a lot of fun. It'd be an honor to have you here and to to, to tell your story as well. So, um, I, we're going to do something a little different, Creighton. Um, you can always, uh, uh, like Creighton said, you can comment uh, the comment section of both. Uh, the live stream on YouTube, which is outlawradio.live, or the, the stream on Facebook. Um, and then you can always send an email if you'd like. You can send an email to popecrayton at gmail.com. Uh, we had been using, I think, the church phone number for a period of time. Uh, it's delayed. It, it's, it runs through Google. It's a Google number, the 678-883-3316. And we were really hoping that it would be like a very quick way in like real time for somebody to drop a thought. Um, because there is still a delay somewhat with, with, um, YouTube as well as, as Facebook. Uh, I might completely regret this, but the iPhone is very good at, at enabling me to block phone numbers. So I'm just going to give my personal phone number out. Uh, my cell number. Are you really? Yeah. You know that we're live on the actual internet yeah. and so, we will be no, forever. It's Listen, I've gotten, um, death threat. Phone calls. I've gotten all kinds of stuff. Is it eight six seven five three zero nine? You haven't been introduced yet. We got we got spice dropping dropping knowledge. Uh, so my cell is six seven eight. Hold on, I'm putting it in the comments. Six seven eight four three eight nine two zero two six seven eight four three eight nine two zero two. I have my phone. Uh, it is open. It is ready. So you can drop a text in real time. It'll come directly to me. Uh, it won't get filtered through any of these guys. And if I have an opportunity, uh, I'll get to it as well. So 678-438-9202. Bold move. 678-438-9202. Well, if I get garbage, I can just block the number and you'll never get through anyway. So um, it's it makes that simple. Um, anyway, uh, we're also joined in studio um, by, uh, oh, I see where, where we're going here. Uh, a good friend. It's been a little while since he's been on the show. Uh, Dear Daddy, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mr. Vinny Himes. You, uh, you, you cut your beard off. Uh, yeah, we had a terrible shaving accident. Explain how that happens. Uh, my dear sweet mother bought me a beard trimmer for Christmas, and that was I a was subtle just, message. That was, was a subtle message. Yeah, yeah. I think she secretly hates the beard. So I was uh, doing a little trim up work, getting rid of some strays, and the guard fell off, and I created a landing strip from like the corner of my jaw to my nose. And there was nothing to do with that other than shave it off. So, what does your wife think? Does she like hates clean? it? Oh, uh, she wants the beard. Yeah, uh, she like, doesn't like laying in bed with a twelve-year-old. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. My dog calls her a pedophile. Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> He's super ashamed of his mommy. Yeah. That's. Yep. Okay. Uh, we also we also have uh, the man that 
also needs no introduction. Spice Daddy, how you doing, buddy? Pretty good. And is you rocking your Braves hat? It's a good combination of Braves it hat is. with an outlaw getting, radio. Getting ready, getting ready for the season. I hear spring training started. It started. Chris, Chris Sale pitched the other day. Was throwing 97. It was awesome. Yep. Ready for it. Ready to do some chopping. Absolutely. Yep. I, you know, I was uh, having a debate with somebody earlier this week about musicals and and whether they're good to watch or not. I didn't know if y'all had an opinion on that. I have a strong opinion. Is it? <laughs> well, it depends like, on the musical. Because I, I, I do not enjoy musicals. Okay, have you watched Hamilton? No, and I, I don't know if I ever will. So I, I would have been with you entirely. 100%. The only musical I've ever watched and liked was the, blue, uh, was the Blues Brothers. So, okay, if, if you classify the Blues musical. Brothers as a musical, I'm with you. However, an, another old, long friend of the show, Nicholas Monty, is like a diehard musical fan. Like Moulin <laughs> Rouge is like his favorite Favorite movie of all time. Just to come to the defense of uh, Nick and the degradation of Moulin Rouge, he really likes The Greatest Showman. I don't know if I'd call him a diehard musical fan. He's a musical fan. He's a big fan of The Greatest Showman. I think what annoys me Moulin Rouge is okay. Hamilton was great. I just, you know. See, I never knew knew Thomas Jefferson was black. It (laughs) blew me away. Google. Google. It was a a revelation to me, honestly. Just didn't know. (laughs) I, I just don't enjoy watching the singing outbreaking in the middle of a everyday conversation. Well, see, you're not you're not the dad of Mabel, because uh, in this house with Mabel, we break out in song all the time, randomly. She can be angry and she'll sing about it. It's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> so it's, we, we, I live in a musical with my daughter Mabel Ann. So hey, we're also joined in studio. He's not on camera, but he he does have a mic. Uh, I'll unmute you. So if you want to, if you want to drop something, what got a deal, beautiful deal, people. We got Deal Daddy Derek in the house. Everything about that clipped. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> Deal Daddy. We'll drop Deal Daddy down a little bit audio wise. Oh, we're here. I hate musicals. Yeah. No, I don't hate musicals. I'll watch music. No. Okay. I like to listen to music. Don't really like to okay, watch. Okay, we're gonna so. mute Deal Daddy now. <laughs> here we go. Um, just to piggyback off of Deal Daddy, there. I'm not big into musicals. Hate them. But I do like operas. And those seem like the same thing, but the big difference is You're that in operas, the characters sing their lines. So every line of song is also plot. See, see I can mm. deal with that. Which is different from musicals, which are the, the plot stops, there is a song, and then the plot picks up Isn't again. Isn't the Book Not of Mormon a musical? Uh, the Book of Mormon is an opera. It's an opera. I'm pretty sure. Man, I feel like we're splitting hairs, because if it's an opera, then Hamilton's an opera. Hamilton's an opera. I did a lot of drama productions in high school. I thoroughly enjoy a a play, and I thoroughly enjoy the music in the play when I expect it. I don't necessarily, like, going to a theater production is way different than watching it in a movie. In the movie, I'm like, dude, I don't... Okay, it's a personal preference. Don't care for it. If I'm going to the show and they're singing and we're there and experiencing that experience, totally different. So what am I hearing here is a lot of strong opinions on this. I did not expect it to go this far. I mean, You um, know, who would have thought that. the Outlaw Radio Show was going to open about a conversation, musicals, theatrical plays... That's what happens when you have Deal Daddy Derek in, in, in the house. Amen. Amen. So, just we got to come you, up with all the deals. If you are, all right, you're, you've been muted. Um, so if you are, if, uh, we're, we're in a studio. So I've got, like, literally on the other side of this camera is Deal Daddy Derek and, and one of the, it's a lounger. Oh, yeah. 
How would you call you define that's that chair's a lounger? Uh, you're you're muted. One of the most I, comfortable, you're unmuted yeah, now. I would define it as one of the most comfortable chairs in the office. And so I am really hurting for Justin right now that he doesn't get to sit in the couch. <laughs> that's true. Tell me about he's it. been he's been I, we've been hitting on it every couple of weeks. Now, now, granted, the the purpose of me sitting on main purpose of me sitting on the couch is because I'm usually about a foot and a half taller than everybody else. That is true. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I sunk down when we had the wider view cameras. I still we just it. needed more of your your beautiful complexion and, and the shot. So, so if you're, uh, I've got, I've got. By the way, with that chair, I bought that to read in, and I can't read in it because if I read in it, it'll be like two hours later, and I will wake up. Yeah, no, it's not comfortable for reading. This is definitely putting me in a position of, like, it's yeah, a good I can sleep if I'm trying to focus on something. It's a solid napping chair. There's yeah. no doubt about it. All right, but then also working working the room. So I've got one of the uh, uh, audience chairs is here, and then directly here is the couch that Justin so loved, where we've got three extra seats for audience. And then working uh, my left to right, now you've got uh, Vinny, Crate, you can put Vinny up. You got Vinny, and then just to the right of Vinny, you've got Spice Daddy with the TV. And then if you work even further to the right, then you get to Creighton, and then you get back to where Dill Daddy is. And so the, that's kind of the way the room works. So if you're watching, you're kind of wanting to know how this is all set up. Um, it is a tight space. It's a garage. Uh, yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Thanks for uh, thanks for that. It's a smoking lounge. It, it was. It was at one point. I miss it. it I said why, actually. That's can you leave so we can, you yeah. know. <laughs> we'll switch cheese lungs over there. Oh, so we've got a, uh, I did get a text. Uh, 40s and 50s rock the musicals. Uh, that's our buddy John Schaefer. So um, 40s and 50s. Um, we, we've already none had... of us were alive then, John. Yeah, appreciate that '40s and '50s reference. Um, how how big were the dinosaurs actually, John? That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into anything serious, I do have a. Um, we got back to the musicals, so we do have a comment from Justin's favorite Karen, um, and that says, "Spice Daddy has seven sisters and five nieces. He's been traumatized." That was to your response about Mabel jump breaking into song. Yeah, he has lived. He has lived the life with young girls in his in that his, also in his house. that also explains why he's in his late thirties and is still single. Probably, yeah. Probably. <laughs> also, you had anything you want to say to that Spice Daddy? No, you're just gonna let that one lie. I will. You just let that one sit there. Creating anything else on the interwebs before we we kind of dive into the substance of the show? That would be a negative. A negative. So I know I know that you have a topic. <clears throat> that you were wanting to, to kind of bring into the show. You normally say that when I'm not going to get to my topic. Yeah, no. Um, oh, John wanted me to say, Justin, that the dinos came later. Um, <laughs> so, so just, uh, yeah. So there you go. There you go. This is uh, where we are live. So um, I want to talk about something. And I'm a little bit hesitant to, to do this. Um, but I do feel strongly about the topic. And I do think it needs to be discussed um, because I think that there's quite a bit of confusion about it. Uh, so if you've been a fan of the Outlaw Radio show for for a length of time, um, really before this iteration of it, the Outlaw Radio show has had a few different, um, um, how, what would you say, manifestations? Versions. Um, versions. Um, at one point, it was, um, it was 
purely for radio. It was four blocks of audio that had advertisements. There was no video. It was just audio. Um, at one point, it was just me. Um, but then we were recording video and putting it out there, experimenting. And then there was a version where it was Creighton and I doing the same thing, but it was post-production. Then we kind of introduced some live. Like, there's been several versions of the Outlaw Radio Show over the years. Um, that, we've that been we, doing this for a minute now. We've been doing it for, for a little time. Um, at one point... And really at the beginning, the idea of the show originally was, and, and I would say, you know, the, the Outlaw Radio show where we talk about relevant topics in an honest and genuine way, where it wasn't so much a Bible study or, or, or even Bible centric per se, but it was like looking at current events, looking at things in the news, things in culture, and trying to provide like a, 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 a Christian biblical worldview perspective on it. Christianity in the real world. Yes, and so and so there were a lot of topics um, that we did. There were a lot of different interviews that we did. Um, there were still Bible lessons, um, but there was um, a, a lot more of kind of a, a cultural thread. Like I did a whole a, a series of episodes on on the abortion issue. I uh, had a couple interviews. We interviewed David Guzik, a few other people, uh, just dealing with a cultural topic. Um, I dealt with I, I thought one of the most perceptive outlaw radio episodes ever was I'll never forget when 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 Alex Jones and Infowars got banned on Twitter. And then in like four hours, he got banned on YouTube, Facebook. Like he got ghosted across. The, he got canceled. Like Alex Jones got canceled. And because Alex Jones ha- is, is partially crazy. Partially? He's partially crazy. He's come, come to find out he's been right about a lot of things that people don't want to admit. Um. But Alex Jones, that whole thing, he got canceled. There were no conservatives that came to his defense. There were obviously no Democrats. They were celebrating it. But it was like, oh, Alex Jones, got, he deserved it. He got canceled, whatever. And, and I did a whole episode talking about um, the fact that, that that set a very dangerous precedent. And that if, if, if they can use this as a predicate to, to cancel him, just wait. They're going to start canceling everybody. And sure enough, over the next two, three years... That's what happened all the way to the point that to save free speech, Elon Musk drops $40 billion to buy Twitter. And all of these people have now been replatformed. You know, um, it, it, it was, it was quite a thing. Anyway, I say all that to say that there was also kind of a thread where we got into politics. You'll never find those episodes. They've all got, they've all got purged. They're not relevant anymore. Um, so I'm, I'm always very tentative to just like wade into something in the news or something uh, because that's not what the show is. It's not what it's about, but, but we're going to, this is going to be a Bible lesson because I think that there's an idea um, that, that, that people really, it's been misconstrued. They don't understand. So there was this week, and I don't know if either of you guys saw this, um, an MSNBC lady, she came on and she defined what Christian nationalism was. She said, she said, and, and, and this is the gist of it. I, I've tweeted out a copy of the video. But she said that Christian nationalism really isn't about being a Christian. It's, it's really anyone that believes that human rights come from God and not a human institution like the Supreme Court or Congress that passes laws. That a Christian nationalist, by definition sees that their rights and liberties come from a higher authority than the state. That's how she defined it. 
Now the, the the irony, this is what I what I tweeted is how 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 weird that that by her definition she has included <clears throat> in Christian nationalism, Orthodox Jews and fundamentalist Muslims. Um, because those groups also believe and all of the deists, like that's wildly broad. <clears throat> it, it is. It is. Now, now the predicate that's being established, and and I even joked like, well, then why not instead of Christian nationalism, just why not just call Christians. Uh, radical fundamentalists. Oh, wait, that's right. We've used that one already to justify Guantanamo Bay. So we're approaching an election. And this election, more than any other, and this is just my perspective on it, it's not about Republican or Democrat or liberal and conservative. There really does seem to be an undercurrent where, where the, the issue is globalism versus nationalism. That there are people that, that want to be a nation state. And they're called Nazis because that was pride in country, pride in, in, in your history. I mean, that was a lot of what Hitler did to rally Germany around uh, his socialist party. But the idea of just nationalism about, about preferring... The America first agenda about, hey, let's prefer America. Let's instead of sending billions of dollars to Ukraine or for that matter, Taiwan or for that matter, even Israel, we're 30 some odd trillion dollars in debt. We're adding three trillion dollars to the debt every single year. And we've got all kinds of major problems. Like, why don't we spend the money on Americans first or instead of being really worried about Ukraine's border? Like, can we not focus on maybe the United States border? Like, so there is, there is this, this push and it it cuts party of people that like, I just care about America. Like, and why is that a bad thing? Like, why can't I care about America more than I care about any other country? Cause this is my home and they get, they get, they get classified as a Nazi Christian nationalist. Um, the other end is this, this push towards globalism, the global order, um, a lot of that you want to talk about, like the Great Reset, um, what was what was envisioned through COVID, some of the agreements that be, are being made with the World Health Organization that are trying to supersede individual state constitutions. Like, I think the best way to try to understand the world, and, and before I get into the Bible end of it, I, I want you guys' thoughts on this. I think right now the best way to view this election, um, now that's not applicable to local and like your school board, this is not applicable to, um, your, your local state representatives might not be applicable to, but like on a national scale, um, again, I think we're beyond Republican and Democrat. I think we're beyond liberal and conservative. I think the best way to try to understand what's happening is that you have, you have people that are pushing for a global order. And there are people that, are rejecting a global order and are like, I just want to care about my home. Um, and you can call me whatever you want to call me. And I'm not saying that we can't be altruistic as a, as a country, take care of other like, but, but we don't have any money. Like, what are we doing? And why can't we just, and I think that's the best way to try to, to understand. That's why you have so many people that are like, I'll never vote for Nikki Haley. I won't ever vote for Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley is absolutely 100% a globalist. Like 
That's why in the primaries, the only vote she's getting are from Democrats. Because they're, they also want this, this more utopian global order. Anyway, I'm going to explain why Christians shouldn't be um, afraid of, of that accusation. I want to untra- uh, try to unpack like the difference between being woke and awake, um, I think, is a subtle thing. Um, I want to get into to why globalism is something that I think you can vote against with with a good con- in a biblical conscience. Before I get to that, let's start with you, uh, dear daddy. I mean, I don't care about parties at all. Like, I, not even a little bit. Like, Republican Democrat means nothing to me. It's it's two idiots arguing over the same thing, and neither one of them care about us. I want a president that's going to take care of America first. That's all I care about. Like, this is where my kids have to grow up. This is where my grandkids have to grow up. I don't care about parties. I care about taking care of American citizens and making sure America's infrastructure is amazing on the world stage. And I could seriously care less about any other country. They have their own governments to take care of them. And, and, and they get a vote for those governments in some cases, in some cases they don't. I I do think that if we had all of our I's dotted and our T's crossed in America, and America was just amazing, uh, like the best version of America I can think of is like after World War II and like we turned into this perfect country where everybody owned a house and everybody had made a decent income and everybody was united. And we had separate but equal and a lot of other really terrible things. Like yeah. But you, you can go back to the, the the 50s quote utopia, and there was an undercurrent of, of massive racial disparities. Sure, I mean there was. It's easy to it's easy to romanticize. Yeah, certain periods of time. Um, but it's America was united. Like we just came out of World War. We've we had turned into this industrial machine. You know, yeah. we're mass producing cars. We're mass producing houses. We're mass producing food. Like. And we became a world power. It was a, we became a world power. So, you know, we've come a lot further than that, but we've also become extremely corrupt in every branch of government. I For mean, sure. from the local sheriff to the president, it is so massively corrupt. And it's almost like they're sneering at us down their noses over it now. Uh, I just want America to not be corrupt. You know, if you're in political office, you shouldn't go into a couple hundred thousand dollar a year salary job of u.s government and come out a multi multi-millionaire that is corruption yeah in every sense there's no other way that happens i want an uncorrupt government that has my family's best interest at mind and i want a president that can lead that for sure uh spice daddy just just a few few preliminary thoughts and just and, and again creighton we need to do a better job of this it's the one complaint i get I jumped into the show. I had no idea what you were talking about. So every few minutes we need to say we're kind of talking about globalism. We're about to get into some scripture to deal with this idea. Globalists, nationalists, what does the Bible have to say? How can we parse that? Uh, Getting some introductory thoughts, Spice Daddy. I think having, having lived overseas in other countries, experiencing different forms of government, living underneath those forms of government, I... You know, I used to, you know, growing up when I first started to vote, very conservative, you know, like, and I haven't gone liberal at all. I've moved more libertarian in my mindset of here in the States. But, like, 
as a Christian, like my alliance lies first with God's kingdom. And so right, and, and that in that sense, I am a globalist. And that kind of harkens back to the beginning of, of America where we were producing more missionaries and stuff than any other country in, uh, in history and, and up until recent times. And I think as a Christian, you have to separate your, your nationalism and your, your Christianity. And they, they, they're not equal. They, if they are, then, then you're in trouble. Your, your alliances lie first with God and then, then your nation. That being said, I'm an American. I love America. It's the best country on the face of the planet, regardless of what the other people say. And most of these globalists, like just out on the streets, they don't know what they're talking about because half of them or, or more than half have never even been outside of the U S and experienced these places. They might've gone on little vacations to the, the Caribbean or gone down right. to Cancun or something. And that's all they've experienced, but go live in a communist country, <laughs> go always... live and go live in a place where, you know, back when I was 18, I, I, I you know, right after high school, I, I, I went to Kenya and lived there for three or four months and I saw the poorest of poor people there. And, and that didn't make me, I didn't come back to thinking, Oh, we're so rich in America. I'm blessed to live in America at that point, and and I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, it's like how I, I think when we when we focus on God, God will bless us, and then we use that blessing to go out into the world and then bless other people. And that's the way it was for two hundred years before it's, recent times. It's so. like so. It's like yeah, I've been to Haiti. Oh, where? And they what well, was a carnival carnival cruise stop? <laughs> right. Like, okay. Yeah, you've been to Haiti. No, you haven't. You probably haven't even met a Haitian, you know, that did not work in the uh, the Carnival Cruise stop. Uh, so, Creighton, I'll give you the credit. You, you want to jump in here at all? Uh, not really. I know very little about politics. I But if I were to put myself into a category, I would be libertarian and isolationist. I think we should leave the rest of the world alone and just deal with ourselves. 100%. So, so let's, let's, like, address... Genesis is the book of beginnings. Like everything, everything begins um, in Genesis. Um, in fact, uh, the parallel is um, the book of Revelation really should never be that complicated because the book of Revelation contains nothing new. Um, the book of Revelation is the, the, the conclusion of the ideas that have already been, or the symbolism, the imagery, already been established. Revelation doesn't introduce anything. Genesis does. It's the book of beginning, which is why it's such a significant and important book because it gives you the law of first mention. It gives you uh, the kind of the general trajectory of how you understand certain ideas throughout Scripture. We've talked about this before, but like sin is established. The idea of sin is established in Genesis. A marriage established in Genesis, not the law. Priesthood established in Genesis. Sacrificial system established in Genesis. You run down the whole, the whole, the whole list. Nations states the interaction of the two slavery all these things get introduced in the book of genesis so genesis is a great starting point for any big conversation now quick flyby summary of the first 10 10 chapters god creates man sins they're expelled from the garden adam and eve procreate first son kills the second son N 
humanity's already a mess. Already a mess. Um, you get some genealogies. The world grows. Um, the, the geography of the world is very simplistic. Um, for a lot of reasons, it's Pangea. It's probably one supercontinent. Um, everybody lives on that supercontinent. Um, everybody's basically the same ethnicity. Everyone speaks the same language. Everyone is descended from the same people. Um, the world grows to a, an incredible population, um, but it is very uh, unified. Um, it's one. And they have the same history. Same history, same culture. Same language, same should have been God. Um, and yet, as a result, Genesis chapter 6 tells us it came to pass that when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. That's a whole nother topic. Verse 3 says, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for indeed, for he is indeed flesh, Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterwards when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and was grieved in his heart. That's a crazy verse. Chapter 6, verse 6. Of Genesis. It takes six chapters for God to be like, yeah, this was a bad idea. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's really shocking. We're Christian. We've read this. We're familiar. But if you're reading this for the first time, you're like, what? Like that fast? Yes, that fast. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. He was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, again, if you'd like to share any of your thoughts, your feedback, we're talking about globalism, nationalism, um, unpacking some complex ideas, um, you can always drop us an email, pokecrayton at gmail.com, or first time, you can text me directly at 678-438-9202, 678-438-92. So God's sorry that he's made man, man's evil. Supercontinent, one community, one nation, wicked. And so God destroys the earth, gives them 120 years. Only Noah and his family are preserved. You have the story of the ark. That's the rest of chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight, it's Noah's deliverance. At the end of chapter eight, you have God's covenant with creation that he'll never destroy the earth with a flood like this again. Uh, Noah departs the ark. And they begin this process um, of repopulating the earth. Uh, that ends up um, entering into Genesis chapter 9. Um, we have some interesting weird stories. Um, then you get the chapter 10, another list of names, a genealogy. Um, you have, I'm trying to look. Um, where is, yeah, so uh, verse 25 of, of Genesis 10 to Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg. For in his days the earth was divided. And his brother's name was Joachim. Now, what, what makes that reference interesting is so you had one supercontinent. We're told that the waters came from above and from beneath. It's how the earth was flooded. 
um, the topography of the earth radically changes within the genealogy here. Uh, something interesting happens during the, the, the life of Peleg. We're told that the land was divided. And a lot of people would think that this was at least the pure manifestation of what we know as the continental drift theory that from this supercontinent, Pangea, because of the typographical changes to the earth because of the flood, the continents begin to move. And so God had told Noah, fill the earth, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, go. Again, humanity was together, great wickedness. So God says, repopulate and go away from each other, spread out. And then, and then the idea with, with the genealogy is that to uh, protect that unification, to actually enhance the separation of peoples, that you had the continents beginning to, sh to, to break apart so that people were naturally separated uh, by water mass. Now, while all this is going on, you get, then get to chapter 11. And we read that the whole earth had one language and one speech. This is the same dynamic as before the flood. And it came to pass that as they journeyed from the east, this is all of man, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and dwelt there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone. They had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will, will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and therefore confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. So, so the dynamic, the story that's unfolded after the flood, God gives the command to multiply, but, but scatter, fill the earth. Going to enhance the separation of people through continental drift and, and water mass, the inability to transport. Man decides, hey, let's uh, not do that. And let's build ourselves a tower. And a great city. Let's let's do the opposite of God, what God said. Um, we'll be one people again, as they were before. Um, and and the, the logic is that if we're if we're one people, we build this tower with asphalt and pitch. Um, God can't resist us. Like He wiped us out with a flood, but now we have a big tower that's waterproof. We'll see how that plays out, God. And God looks down and He sees the dynamic. He's like, like we're about to rinse and repeat. You'll get to chapter 12 and we have another flood. But God's already said he can't do another flood, so it'll be fire. Right? So there's a problem. Like, man, wicked, sinful man comes back together. So what does God have to do? God comes down, confuses their languages. They can't communicate with each other. They don't understand one another. They're different. And he separates them. And then they move out and you get moving forward, the genealogical records that, that Shem, Ham, and Japheth, you get like the basic global ethnicities that we have today. You can, you can track all this back. And Justin, you might comment later about how all that plays out. But, but keep in mind, 
who separated humanity? Who was the one who was like, hey, guess what? Unity's not a good thing. God. God is the one that divided man. God is the one that separated man. Separated man by tongue and would separate man by race and ethnicity. God would separate man by confusing language. Why? Because synergy is a real thing. Now, I, I'll, I'll explain it in the positive before I get to the, the negative. Synergy is, is the idea. Creighton, uh, uh, you're kind of the science guy. You want to provide a definition? You want to jump in there on the, the kind of the, the basic idea of synergy? Basically, the idea of synergy is where you add 10 and 10 and get 30. Because people working together do more work than they do alone. So instead of 10 plus 10 equals 20, it's 10 plus 10 equals 30. It's a phenomenon. It's compounded energy. You find this, you find this in, in, in the natural world. It's, it's a weird thing. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons that why, why Christianity is not, not a thing to do alone. That, you know, there's always, like God always sent people out by twos. You know, that the two of us are better than, than one of us. It is not good for man to be alone. It, yes. And that, and that as far as like the, the idea of discipleship and, and being together and working together, um, a band of brothers is an important thing for any Christian or a group of, a, 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 you know, a sisterhood. Um, because again, um, our powers put together, compounded by the Holy Spirit, we're capable of greater things. The sum is greater than the whole of its parts. Now, the inverse, and this is what's important, the inverse is also true, and we find that in Genesis 6. Evil man combined with evil man combined with evil man, and, and what happens? You get a compounded evilness, a compounded wickedness, to the point that God's like grieved that he's even made man. We have human and, and, and fallen angel sexual relations. Like, we get all kinds of perversity happening. And that's why God's very intentional. Like, hey, sinful humanity, the best way for me to deal with sinful humanity is to keep them separated from each other. Like, yes, they're still sinful. They're still wicked. But if they all get together, it gets real bad. <laughs> like, if there's a global order, it's real bad. Which is why in the book of, of Revelation, we actually do see, for the first time, a return to Babel. That's why we have... Babylon the harlot as a reference. We have a global order or global community that are doing the same thing we find here in Genesis under an antichrist gathering together to fight Jesus. I mean, the, the height of sin and rebellion. You want to know what globalism will look like in a sinful fallen condition? Well, look at the book of Revelation and you see what happens. Christians are martyred. Jews are persecuted. And, and it's not... It's not a celebration of unity and diversity, is it? No, it is complete sameness. In fact, there are measures. You take the mark of the beast or you die. Like, there's no free thought. Like when the, when the world talks about global order and unity, it's talking about unity and singularity. You all have to think alike, be alike, believe alike. If not, you're axed. You see that pattern, by the way, in, in the Soviet system in Russia. I listened to a podcast recently about the Red Guard in Russia, not Russia, but China, under Mao. Um, that it was, it was literally the stripping away of one's culture, and anything old was 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 eliminated, and, and you had to think and believe and act and dress in a new way, a same way. This was not unity and diversity, which is what the world says it's trying to accomplish, but it never does. It goes even further than that, though. If you ever go to one of those ex-Soviet states, even the buildings are just. Just 
black and gray sameness. Plain sameness. It was like just even like just being there just takes like strips away any joy that might come from from that. And that this Tower of Babel thing is we we look at it like it's a myth. A lot of people do, but I mean, you can still go. We we pretty much know exactly where the tower tower was and and still is. Oh really? Uh, yeah, you can still go there and find remnants of this thing. And then, uh, like me, be like this is your archaeology background, right? Yeah. Right. And then even like further, just anthropology as a whole, the study of human cultures. I I love the Tower of Babel study and and like studying the different languages because we can go back and look at language families. Every language that we have and speak now belongs to the language family, and we trace it back. There's about 115 to 130 different language families that we've been able to trace. And all languages fit into one of those language families. And and so you can, it, it, it's amazing. You can trace back to one group of people just through the language families. And then it goes even further with the just the names. You got to look at the Hebrew names for the different people. But you can trace... I can trace me back to one of Noah's sons, basically, um, just by going, you know, where each son it was Japheth, probably. Yeah, each son. <laughs> I'm each, just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it was actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the the Anglo. Yeah, yeah. And you can trace back where they went, and then going through the DNA, and and the the phenotypes of every group of people. It, it, it's not just a myth it, it's and and that's what a, a problem i think a lot of american christians have nowadays anyways we, we've been been told bible stories all our life instead of bible history and then so when somebody comes in and and steps on that we're like oh, okay yeah that sounds better than what i've been told you know and it's real the bible's real there's there's history and 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 stuff from other cultures that aren't biblical based that match with what the Bible has written out. So we're, we're talking about here, the idea of globalism versus nationalism, central idea of what's kind of leading into this year's election, which I think is going to be a very interesting thing. And I'm trying to unpack like the notion of these two ideas. Um, Can I throw a grenade? Throw well before you throw a grenade. Let okay, me. I'm sitting on a grenade. Sit, throw a grenade. So, because there's a part of my brain that is evil, I have a question. If we know that, like, at the end of the age, we're gonna have this one world order and everything's gonna be horrible in terms of like our moral sensibilities, like things are gonna be pre-flood bad. People are gonna be doing whatever they want, whatever. Like, why don't we just kind of lay down? I don't think it would be the right decision. But, like, why don't we? Just like, all right, guys, go for it. Let's move along. Get the one world government so we can have the second coming and we can move on. Isn't that what, like, the monks do? Like, the ones that, that take their vows of silence and just go okay. be with other Christians? R- yeah, quick. I think that's exactly what yeah, they do. Yeah, real quick, but I, but I will jump in there, and I think Vinny will probably hop in very fast here. Um, but to answer that question, your assumption is that us... Like, if you told me, like, hey, okay, this election that's happening this year, you know what? If Biden wins 
and the global order emerges, Jesus is coming back. I'd be like, you know what? Okay, I'll sit out this one, you know? But you can't tell me that. Okay. Because I can give you a thousand instances of the exact same political dynamic. And you know what yielded? Generations of martyrdom Mm. that Jesus still hadn't come back for. And if, like, and if I have, if I have a actually a say in it, no man knows the day or the hour. Not even Jesus, the Father does. So, I'm living in the present, understanding that yeah, the rapture could happen at any moment. But like, my decisions are not going to precipitate the rapture one way or the other. And it's like. And I get, I get that sentiment, and this is where Vinny's going to jump in. I know. I feel like that sentiment though changes very hard when it's no longer about you. We got a lot of souls to save. Well, not just that; that's true. But you have children, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So, Vinny, jump into that. I mean, I mean, it, it changes your calculation when it's like. So it's I have kids. I I see where you're going with it and I your kids are younger. So there was a very very good uh for me when my kids were your kids age, a very real fear of, you know, I need my kids to go to heaven. I need my kids to accept Jesus as their savior and you know, my kids went through a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, like my kids are solid. I'm yeah. not so worried about them like we had the. We you had also the, have a marksman as one of your daughters. Yeah, that yeah. kid's a savage. She scares. She sh- people should be scared of my children. They're terrifying. Giants. They're but, also giants. But my number one focus to your your aspect, Creighton, is you know, do we just move on? We got a we got a lot of souls to save. Like the world needs saving, and it's it's exciting right now. Like seeing all these revivals pop up, like college kids getting baptized in fountains and stuff just like these massive revivals popping up out of nowhere unprovoked it's it's really exciting but it's got to happen on a world stage like let me let me jump in because i'm going to tie two ideas that i think that you've introduced so so to the i to the idea of like why should i care about america first as a christian because america first as a christian has enabled more christian evangelism and missionary endeavors and the last hundred years than at any other point in human history. Like the prosperity of America, the freedom of America, what that's enabled the church to do. Now, th- we can talk about all the other problems that exist. It's fine. But there have been more, like the entire missionary movement, the gospel being 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 taken across the world was has been enabled by a free America. You don't see that coming out of Russia. You don't see it coming out of China. It, it, it has existed originally by the British Empire, that also had freedom and had the ability to move around colonialism that helped, but America freedom, prosperity, as far as the, the church was able to utilize that, um, to, f- to actively work to fulfill the great commission. Now getting back to the broader idea. Um, I think that the idea this being woke versus awake, if you're awake, and you're looking at the situation, you understand that globalism is a lie and it is the goal of Satan. It is his ambition. It is his desire because he wants to lead humanity into sin and wickedness, persecute the people of God. 
and, and wants to destroy them. Just in the, he wants to bring about, he knows he can't be a flood, but he'll bring fire. Satan has sold the secular anti-God world on, hey, let's global community, let's all be one, knowing that that's a lie, that's not how that's achieved. It's, it's, it's oneness through sameness. You get rid of the dissent. But the pursuit of global a global order in a sinful human condition, the Bible tells us that the only thing that's produced is, is synergetic destruction. Abject evil. Now, does that mean that God doesn't want there to be unity? That God doesn't... Blessed are the peacemakers. Yes. Now, I'm going to very quickly read a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 2 in the context of what we just read in Genesis. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That means they were in a Honda. Anybody? No, I got it. One, one, One accord. Um, <laughs> a lot of people in a the Honda. other father in the room liked it. <laughs> that's a good joke I taught, I, I taught a sermon years and years and years ago this was way before Calvary 316 I called it uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in carpooling and I taught about this passage and the power of the Holy Spirit and, I, and at the end of the study I was like and, and you, I know you all want to know why the graphic says the power of the Holy Spirit in carpooling it's because when the power of the Holy Spirit's there, there's unity, and we're all in one accord. And that's how I ended the study. I thought that was clever. I thought that was pretty good. Anyway. They were one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. We're reading about the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, power dunamos that Jesus had promised. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. Such an interesting observation. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Sound familiar? They were confused. Confusion. But they were confused this time, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, not are not all those who speak Galileans? And how is that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Perithians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what, what could this mean? Others mock, saying they're full of new wine, but Peter's standing up, and then he preaches a sermon. So understand what happens. The, the, the Holy Spirit gets poured out, and the Galileans there gathered in the upper room begin to speak in tongues. The sound brings a crowd, because it is Pentecost, so there are people from all over the world, Jews, that have gathered for this feast. You have this long list of where they're all from. Interesting, Luke, the historian's able to compile this list from eyewitness accounts. And and the phenomenon is that while the, the believers are praising God, praising God for his works, so again, tongues a love language. It's not evangelical. They're praising God. It's they're expressing themselves to God, to Jehovah. That everybody is hearing it in their own tongue. 
in their own language. Now, what's the miracle? Was the miracle in the hearing or the speaking? Doesn't really matter. You know, were they hearing in their own language? Were they speaking in different languages? Either way, isn't it interesting that what we have here is a reversal of what God did in Babel? Where God wanted to separate people, what did he do? He confused their language and he scattered them. But at Pentecost, God is starting a new work. It's a New Testament. And what does he do? He brings the world together and they can hear the glorious works of God in their own language. I have a question he, and an observation. Real quick. You have a chance. He, yeah, he eliminates, he eliminates the language. He brings people together, which is why then within the New Testament context, what makes the church so unique is that we have slave, gen, we have slave and free, Jew and Gentile. We have, we have this, this incredible hodgepodge. Like you, you have a reunification of people. You have diversity and a singularity of cause of purpose and that's jesus so like the, the the slave and his master can worship jesus together because what, what what brings them together is much greater than what would separate them or cause them to, to break apart so god does have in his mind a great vision of the unification of humanity we will see that at the end of time jesus will do this jesus will do this following the tribulational period where he ushers in a kingdom of peace, a unification, a global one world order, that we have the, 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 the foreshadowing of and the taste of in the church. The only place in the world that you can have unity within a diversity of people is the church of Jesus Christ. It is not in government and it's not in the world. It's not in fallen institutions. Now, it, now, side topic. It's a shame that the, the, the church has failed to emulate that. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said the most segregated, segregated day of the week is Sunday. He was right. Sadly, not a lot's changed. The church today is not a, is not a, a it, it doesn't give you the kaleidoscope illustration of what heaven will be. That's a shame. But the world? My point is that if you're looking at things and you're like, you know what, this globalism thing, I'm going to vote against that. Now, I'm not telling you what to vote for or who to vote for. But if you're like this global, this push towards global order, global unity, globalism, you know what, as a Christian, I'm going to say no to that. I think that is an absolutely biblically sound perspective because the only thing that is yielded from that absolute wickedness and destruction apart from the church of Jesus Christ. And that's the big point I want to make that, that land. Yeah. Great. What are your thoughts? You get the mic closer to you. I know how to move the mic around. Uh, <laughs> no, you? yeah, I, I totally get it. And I think you answered my question well, because... By the way, you can share your thoughts, if you want to, by texting me directly at 678-438-9202. 678-438-9202. If you have any thoughts about this topic, please quickly send me a text or drop a comment in the thread on YouTube oh, no, or Facebook. That in a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I thought, I, thought it was, I thought it was very interesting. I... I think it's important. 
Yeah, and one of the things that I, I often, we've talked about this on the show before, I often struggle getting outside of my own bubble. Um, and so it's very interesting and very difficult to talk when you're doing that. Um, that was a good episode. I'm done. Talk to somebody else. I'm putting you on <laughs> screen now, so you heads up. <laughs> I have a question and yeah, observation. So, also, Deal Daddy Derek, you let me know if you have anything I, you want to drop in. I, uh... I was thinking about this on the way to work today, and in my line of work, I, I hear a lot of conspiracy theories, mostly dealing with the globalism and stuff like that, uh, like the death of uh, Sir, Sir uh, I forgot his full name, but uh, Rothschild. Rothschild, you yeah. know, the, the, the cobble, the global cobble and stuff like that. Um, it, it seemed, just going off of what you just said, it it's an observation of, of the unity thing. Uh, but the question is like, it seems like with unity, there's a spiritual aspect to it, whether that be of God or of Satan. And so if we're, if our battle is not with flesh and blood and it's of the spiritual realm, it is. And, and I don't subscribe to, I love hearing conspiracy theories, but I don't subscribe to the, to them. <laughs> the, but like, it just seems to me like there's no unity without a spiritual aspect. I think that's, that is a, a profound point. I'm glad you brought it up. So if you look around, if you, if you watch the news, which I don't really, but like, if you look at things and you're like, man, we went from like this whole gay marriage, homosexual push to like flip a switch. Now we're in transgender and we're, and we're butchering children. Like this seems I don't know if you if you watch things. It we blinked and it happened. Well, I mean, don't you don't you look at things, and and you're like, man, this somehow seems very coordinated, like this seems coordinated, right? And I think I think the conspiracy theorists pick up on that and they're like, this isn't random. This is so organized, and 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 strategically implemented, and so that leads to like, well, who's behind it? And that's where you get the Rothschilds, you get the Bilderberg right. group, you'll get George Soros, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Please understand, none of those people, Bill Gates, that's another one, none of those people are powerful enough or influential enough to do what we see on a global scale. Well, I think that's my question. But Satan is, is. Yeah, I think that's my question. It is, is coordinated the, and Satan's behind it and that, that is great evidence of a demonic right, influence. And that, that is my question is like, they always talk about groups of people ruling the world, but like in every instance of a dictator or somebody, they, they hold on to power and there's one single person and they kill off everybody else. And, and so when they're, where the, my observation is like, there's a spirit, like you said, it, it you know, it's gotta be Satan who is not physical. That's controlling multiple people putting, different ideas in their head to work towards his goal instead of them having unity. So it's an appearance of unity, which is Satan is all about is having the appearance of what God does in, in reality. If you want to get really crazy, just, you want to throw a hand grenade. There's that Tucker Carlson interview where, you know, he's been very interested in aliens for so long. And then he's like, yeah, I've had conversations where like I'm, I'm backed off the alien thing. But I'm like full bore into, yeah, we have contact with demonic spiritual influences that are the ones calling the shots on things. And he's like, and, and I have, I have contacts that have confirmed this, that this stuff is real. And it's like, 
Interesting. And then you get to Revelation. You see how intertwined the interdimensions are and demonic influence and angelic. Like, you know, Vinny, jump in here. I mean, you know my testimony. You're not saying nothing I haven't seen firsthand. You know, I mean, it's the demonic influence in the world is absolutely terrifying. Um, I experienced it as a young child just... And I didn't even know what it was. I was I was so embarrassed because I thought everybody would think I was make-believing. You know what I mean? Like, it was so crazy and so evil and so real in my 10-year-old brain. But I didn't think my parents would understand it. I, I thought they would just, like, make fun of me right. and blow it off. Uh, it wasn't until I actually took it to the pastor of the church. And he was the one that took it seriously and, like, told my parents, like, this is a thing. Like, there, there are demons. There is evil in this world. And it's trying, I mean, I think it 100% goes for the youth first because their minds are open. Yeah. They're feeble. They're, they're easily influenced. And uh, I think a demon could look an awful lot like an alien. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Read Revelations a couple times, some pretty for alien sure. stuff. Deal Daddy Derek, you got any, any thoughts over there in the uh, audience chair? Nah, just to back off of what Vinny just said, like, they're definitely after the youth. Their mind is so moldable. And you think about now the culture and what it is and what these kids have to deal with when they're at school. I mean, some of the kids that we're talking to, they're like, yeah, no, it seems like 50% of the student body is gay. And I'm like, that's not, like, I'm not that far separated from them. Right. But like, 10 years at least. And I'm like, yeah, it definitely wasn't like that. The, the when I was there, there were a few select, but like just the stuff that they encounter now, like why would the devil not be after the kids when they're at that age to just try and plant his own seed to of deception? It's the seed of deception versus the seed of truth, and so like they're they're constantly under attack. It is very sad. Have you ever have you ever thought like again? This kind of ties into the 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 substance of um, the Song of Solomon series that I'm doing. But that um, the world has become oddly obsessed with sex and gender. Like, why? Like, why? Why? Why is that? Why is that the the of all of the things that just has come out of 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 right field? Because it's an identity thing. If you are made right. in the image of Christ, each of us has a written code in us that wants to know who we are, what we're supposed to do, what our quote-unquote purpose of life is. You have an innate longing. What do you think that longing is for? It's because God put it in you to come to know him. You're longing to have a relationship with him. You just don't know that that is what it is. Amen. So you find it in whatever will fill you, but it will never fill you because he is the one that's at the well to tell you that I am the one who will give you the thing that satisfies and that fills. <laughs> yeah, right on. And, and, and Satan knows how um, important to the soul sex is and sexuality is. And, and that's, why, that's why, like, you go back to, to Genesis 6 and what was, what was the manifestation of the, the abject wickedness and evil? It was sexual perversion. And we see we see a very similar thing happening now because Satan knows that I that he can destroy people by confusing them when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to sexual identity, and and through sexual activity. Um, that it's it's important. It's it's the akkad. It's the oneness. Um, it's it's the taste of it's the human taste of divinity. It's the thing that was instituted before sin, before the fall. It is our taste of the divine. 
within its its biblical confines and constructs. Um, but it is also the taste of wickedness and evil outside of that, and Satan knows it. So, Craven, you got anything left? No. Good episode. Any final thoughts, you guys? Anything online? We good? Any any other thoughts, Creighton? Just good. anything online? Nothing online. All right. You guys good? Yeah. All right. Signing off. Signing off. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight for the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, you've been watching the live stream on YouTube, outlawradio.live, as well as our Facebook page. Uh, if you are watching, check out the podcast. It gets released on Thursday. Apple, Google, Spotify, really anywhere you get your podcasting. Uh, easy way to share the audio. Sometimes it's easier for people to listen uh, than it is to watch. So you can share, like, leave a review um, of our podcast. If you're listening and you've never joined us on a Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, I encourage you to do that with our live stream. Anyway, God bless. My name is Zach. I hope to see you guys next week.